This is from Jim Trafficking to the IRS and the FBI. Go. I'm just a son of a truck driver. Forget this Congress business. Jim was never a team player. He, I don't know if he was meant to be a congressman. Congress hasn't done their job. I love America, but hate the government. The American people are taxed off. He had a great sense of humor. The IRS has turned into a bunch of political prostitutes. You don't know which part's brilliant and which part's psychotic. Huge ego. They lie again, I'm going to go over and kick them in the crotch. Thank you very much. <laughs> do I wear skinny ties? Yeah. Do I do my hair with a weed whacker? I admit. Look at my wide bottom pants, my boots, and I certainly haven't changed. Jim Traffigan was the congressman you get from Central Casting, if the director was Quentin Tarantino. I'll kick your ass personally. That's Bullshit. Me. You're looking at a junkyard dog in the face of a hurricane. I want to thank Congressman Traffigan for the work he does in Washington. My district's one of the poorest, and those so-called rich people, I want to hire my people. In today's environment, he would be a presidential candidate. Jim Traffigan was the Mahoning Valley. We were the second biggest steel producing city in the world. In six months, over 50,000 men lost their jobs. When the mills closed, the mob then started telling politicians what to do. If you're interested in politics, the mob wants you then. He was the sheriff who was going to resurrect the town again. He was going to bring us back. The mob should get out of Youngstown. Crime Town, USA. Youngstown would make the Sopranos look like Girl Scouts. Jim Trafficking was the white knight coming in to save us. We rode that right into the Congress. Beam me up. The noisiest act on Capitol Hill. But I'll be damned if I'll be pressured by a government. Trafficking is charged with racketeering and bribery. His crocodile mouth got his hummingbird ass in trouble. I'm not going to admit the crimes that I did not do and will do the time and expect a long time to try and shut me up. Everybody's going to want to see how it plays out. Beam me up. I have the pleasure this episode of talking to Eric Murphy, an extremely talented filmmaker, about his movie Trafficant. And I know a lot of you are a little bit tired right now, exhausted of politics and the whole political process. But, um, you know, Eric poured his heart and soul into this film. It really reflects what's going on in modern times. And you can kind of understand a little bit about why people are are so enamored by Trump, you know, a populist, someone who talks about taking care of the worker. That was Jim Trafficant. And uh, and my friend Eric Murphy has put together just a phenomenal documentary. And it's something he spent seven years of his life working on uh, in between gigs. He does. You know, he's living in Los Angeles and works on a lot of reality television to pay the bills and uh, just just an amazing filmmaker and uh, I would love for everyone to take a look at his film and would love to hear your comments on it. You know, just the craftsmanship and just the story of how this congressman back in 1985 in, in the Reagan era, one of the one of the as Eric talks about, one of the only Democrats elected to Congress in, in that year, you know, how he really kind of turned things upside down and then just uh how he was his own worst enemy so definitely worth checking out and and ben sturgill myself we we both had the honor of sitting down uh for lunch with eric uh, in la and century city i think it was a couple weeks ago now and uh yeah just just a great guy to talk to about uh 
about film and politics and everything else. Now, for this interview, unfortunately, you know, we plan on doing this in L.A., but we're, we're unable to find the time. And then Eric, uh, you know, he's just he's got a cold right now. So during when we're interviewing, he uh, he's dealing with some kind of bug. So, uh, yeah, it was a short interview, but a, a good one. Great conversation. And uh, I think you'll find, you, you know, even through dealing with that cold, you'll you'll hear his passion for this subject matter. And it was very cool. He he worked with Ed O'Neill and um, and Ray Boom Boom Mancini. They're both in the film. So just amazing characters who are commentating on this extraordinary character. As always, I'd like to thank Dr. Mark Holland for his sponsorship. And for those of you that are in the St. Louis area, uh, definitely check him out if you just need the, the regular spinal adjustment or if you find yourself being in a, a car accident or some sort of work-related injury. Uh, just a great guy who really is passionate about helping his patients, and he's uh, been passionate about helping me with this podcast. So you can find more about Dr. Holland at mystlouischiropractor.com or at chiroandrehab.com, as well as 636 946 7777 if you're in the area. Also want to thank my good friend Christy Holman, who's been an amazing supporter of the show, and uh, she's a good friend of Kevin Blumenkamp as well. You've heard a lot about Kevin, who is uh, just a, a you know master artisan when it comes to fine jewelry. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate uh, the support from Kevin and really want to see him do well. I mean, he's just an amazing craftsman and has has some extraordinarily creative ideas. So very fortunate to have him as a friend and as well as all the guests. I find that there's this connection that I have either with the work or with um, just the people themselves. So it's it's really cool to be able to have the support to to put this podcast together and put it out to all of you. If you want to find out a little bit more about me, you can go to my website, kencalcaterra.com. Also, uh, through there, you know, there's a hub where you can find me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know, really enjoy communicating with people. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Ben Sturgill earlier. Uh, ben, you know, trying to help him out. His music is amazing. So uh, check him out at bensturgill.com. Uh, yeah, that's all. That's all for now with the housekeeping. I know some people have really, uh, you know, some people are happy with this election. Some people are not so happy. It's interesting times we live in. And a lot of times truth is stranger than fiction. And that is is definitely the case in regards to Jim Trafficant And Eric Murphy, who I'll be talking to here, is done a great job. So thank you again for listening to Conversations with Calcaterra. Here he is. The one, the only, the extraordinary filmmaker, Eric Murphy. All right, Eric. Uh, man, it's been an interesting year politically. I guess we could uh, we could say that 2016 is a year of the populist. That's for sure. Unbelievable times. And you basically, with your film that you've been working on for seven or eight years, which is about Jim Trafficant, I, I mean, essentially... You know, in essence, you've kind of saw this coming, saw this wave coming based on the history, and uh, you put this in your film, and you've been talking about this a lot, sending a, a lot out to the media. How has that experience been? Um, well, Youngstown, where traffic, Youngstown, Ohio, the buckle of the Rust Belt, uh, people, some people would say, uh, 30, 40 years ahead of what we're experiencing now. 
and Jim Trafficant was the original bombastic populist, um, but he was also quite literally the son of a truck driver. So he had blue collar DNA and was a champion and a voice of the disenfranchised and the blue collar workers. Uh, Youngstown in that region's a steel industry, was a steel industry. My grandfather worked 41 years at Republic Steel, retired, they sell off, F you, you get very little pension and we're just gonna bleed you out until you die. You know, and I I think that anger that certainly was a part of the Mahoning Valley a long time ago is what we're seeing in the country right now. And that's indicative of this past election and uh, obviously what everyone's seen. And so so Jim Traffic, he was very popular at his time in Congress and, and definitely the people thought this guy has our back. Do you, in the comparison with, you know, Donald Trump, people are looking for him to be that type of person. Do you, do you think he truly is or what's his angle? We're, we're, what's your view on, on Trump and the Trump presidency? I don't really have. Um, I didn't vote for him. I don't believe in anything he says. Um, I'm not go along to get along type of guy. Um that's kind of all my thoughts on Donald Trump, you know? Um, well, how does he compare? So Trafficant, when he was running, what, what were the years to give the audience an idea that uh, Trafficant was in Congress? He was elected in 85. Uh, he was the only newly elected Democrat in the Reagan landslide of 84. And he came into Congress uh, guns blazing. I mean, the second Tip O'Neill swore him in, he hit the ground running fighting for workers, fighting against trickle-down economics and Chinese manipulation and steel dumping, uh, and then fought against NAFTA vehemently. Um, and was in Congress until he was kicked out of Congress <laughs> in two, <laughs> uh, 2001. Uh, 2002, I'm sorry. And uh, and ran for his seat from prison. You know, the story is quite remarkable. Not to ruin the ending for a lot of people. But so that was his time frame. And um, he certainly was right about a lot of these issues. I think the message was dead on. The messenger was quite flawed and quite an enigma. Um, but it seems like the game has changed a little bit about how people view politics so trafficking would fit right in i think he would be yelling would have been yelling at trump for stealing his populist act uh but uh, he wouldn't have been putting up clinton signs either you know he was his own guy and i think he would have had quite a following especially through the rust belt and um you know i think his politics were were ahead of the countries too where trafficking was a lifelong democrat son of a truck driver, fighter for unions, and at the end voted for Denny Hastert for speaker. I mean, he got a nice chunk of change for that vote, too. Uh, million, tens of millions. So he was, but, uh, he, was, he was a businessman as well. <laughs> well, he was a shrewd politician. You know, people dismiss him as just this flamboyant, uh, you know, 
larger than life buffoon at times uh and self-deprecating certainly brought it on himself uh but he he was quite a cunning politician you know he really knew how to get stuff done in an unconventional way certainly he wasn't a brooks brothers and mr gentleman this and mr gentleman that he was dropping elbows <laughs> and they definitely uh the the trump and trafficant definitely had the uh had the hair in common I mean, he was a guy that had uh, had an interesting hairstyle. Yeah, certainly. Well, Traffickens was uh, not real, but it was way more authentic than Trump's. <laughs> and and Traffickens' uh, thin ties were made in America. You know, he pushed through provisions all the time that uh, made in America had to be stamped on things. That that was Jim Trafficant fighting for that like thirty years ago. Which yeah, I find to be rather hypocritical when one is really pushing made in America unions, things of that nature, yet the clothing line that their name is on yes has made in China. You know, it's uh I don't know, I find that to be a little hypocritical, but uh, you know, that's that's the way things are and I, I don't think a lot of people necessarily see that they're seeing a lot of or hearing a lot of what's being said but maybe not reading the writing on the wall so only time will tell but one thing i mean you've done a brilliant job of crafting this documentary that really covers the scope of this guy's career back all the way back to where he was the uh you know quarterback of his high school football team uh, all through you know to the end of his career to the end of his life how was that what was that experience like covering such an amazing character and just finding all the all the archival footage that you had and just there's just a lot of material in that documentary yeah it was a a monumental undertaking one that i really didn't know what i was getting myself into um i'm in los angeles so i had to go fly back and forth to youngstown to do a lot of the work and luckily Thankfully, I had a producer on the ground back there, Jeff Alberini. He was a like a foot soldier, you know. He he was good at tracking down a lot of stuff, or I'd find it and he'd drive out and get it scanned or whatnot. Or you know, then when Trafficant got, we started filming in 2009 when Trafficant got out of prison and filmed his. You know, no no one had any idea what he was going to do. He ultimately ended up running for. Congress in 2010. So just filming all of that and kind of digging into the archives, we worked with our local historical society uh, quite closely. And one of the unique things about Youngstown, for a small town, 150,000 or so at different points, uh, they had three independent TV stations. And one of them donated all of their archives to the historical society. And they followed trafficking around with what they called the mini cam. It was like the first handheld news camera. And they were following him around because he was a celebrity. So we got to go through all kinds of this verite footage. I mean, it was really cool how they shot this stuff because they were telling little stories, you know, so they were getting all the right shots and sound bites and, and kind of going through that and piecing it together. And, you know, it became apparent that that was how we were going to follow the narrative 
of allowing the archives. If we couldn't find it, then we weren't going to tell that part of the story. And we were really using the news reports of the time kind of as narrators. There was, there's no narrator in the film. And so it gave it like a present tense. We wanted you to be along with the ride and uh, using the, the interviewees as if you look at it like a sports booth analogy where uh, there's the play-by-play guy. So those were our interviews that were saying, I was there when I did this with Jim, or I worked against Jim, I put Jim in jail. And then, so that was the one side of it. And then you have the color commentator, which is usually like the retired athlete. So we used Ed O'Neill and Boom Boom Mancini as like the color commentary of, here's how the mob operated. Here's how it felt in town you got to understand the walls were squeezing in on trafficking at this particular time, you know, and using them to kind of put the color in it. And, and we're happy with how that turned out. You know, it has a nice flow to it, uh, working it around the archives. That was a long answer. Yeah, no, it's a good answer. And, and the film is, is beautifully crafted and I recommend people go see it because uh, especially in this current time so they've seen what has happened now and to go back and look at the history of that and they can the audience can view this uh, on demand correct what what is what's the best way to find that yeah if you go to the film's website trafficant t-r-a-f-i-c-a-n-t hyphen movie trafficant hyphen movie and it's got the links to uh, vimeo itunes amazon going to be out on dvd uh in december before christmas um that's the best way to see it perfect good and i'll put that on the uh on like the show description as well so they can have the hyperlinks for that what uh what drew you to this story when when was that aha moment where you said i have to create this documentary on jim trafficant uh you know i grew up there and my grandfather worked at the mill and when your whole family is working at the mill, um, that's all you know. Like you, those are the conversations at cookouts and family gatherings, and it just was a constant topic of conversation. And uh, he he was a folk hero as I was growing up. You know, he had, he was sheriff and and had made quite a name for himself and defended himself in court uh, for various charges that the people have to watch the movie to find out. Uh, But it's unbelievable what he gets himself into. Uh, So he was just one of those guys that was always around. He was, he was like John Wayne or Paul Bunyan. You know, I didn't really know a whole lot about him. And then I got a paper out and started reading the paper and went to Youngstown state and that's when the mob was literally shooting each other in the middle of the street, and they had put a hit out on the newly elected county prosecutor. Uh, and that's about the same time I got bit by the filmmaking bug, I guess not coincidentally. And when I got out of school, I volunteered and worked on Tim Ryan's state senate campaign. And he's now the congressman, and... Um, he took Trafficant's spot. He worked for Trafficant. And I was driving Tim around, and Tim was Trafficant's driver. And he was telling me all of these 
amazing, hilarious trafficking stories that Jim had told him. So I'm hearing them like secondhand, but th they're just riveting. And then I got to see trafficking at some of these campaign events, and that was it. It was like, oh, this guy is so fascinating. And then he got indicted the second time uh, when I was in film school, and I'm like, oh, my God, this, this is the story to tell. This guy is amazing. So complex. What a character. And it's almost as if this story found you. I mean, you were you were growing up hearing it, but by participating in Ryan's campaign, it's just kind of like, here, hey, look, you know, this is a story for Eric Murphy to tell. Yeah, those doors just kind of open up when you're going in the right direction, you know? And that's and Tim Ryan is a name that people are going to start hearing more of. I've just since this election and since... Um, you know, Bernie Sanders is pushing hard for some things. You've got Elizabeth Warren, and and Tim's name is one that I've been hearing recently. I, I watch a lot of young, or yeah, watch on YouTube Young Turks, and uh, and we're definitely Tim's name is popping up. So I think he's going to be one of those Democratic leaders that people are going to a name that people will know a little more of from here on. So it's good to Ab see. Absolutely. And now, and he was he was featured in the film as well. He had. Um, would you consider him one of the color commentators or was he, you know, what was his role? Well, he, he worked for trafficking and, you know, knew him intimately and was also a high school quarterback, standout quarterback. So they shared that in common um, and was, you know, good friends with trafficking and uh, talked to him when he was getting ready to run for a state Senate and, and, uh, you know, so he adds a lot of a depth and knowledge in, into the movie and the interviews, certainly. And now that he's the Congressman, you know, where he can speak from that side of things is also great. Yeah, definitely. And he, he took over traffic and seat, correct? Yeah, in Congress? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting how that, kind of that circle of life there how, how that you know passing the torch so to say although i don't think from from watching people have to watch the movie but i don't know if jim was at that point ready to pass the torch but was he he a good mentor to uh, tim ryan no i don't think they had any communication after tim ran you know and after he went to prison gotcha gotcha so you uh you start making this film at what point did um did Ed O'Neill become involved? He's one of the ex executive producers, correct? He's a producer on the project. Um, he he was in my short film, my graduate thesis project at Loyola Marymount. I wrote him a cold letter, and uh, he called me up a couple days later. I had put the little script in there, 25 pages, something, and uh, said, hey, I got your letter. Uh he, he grew, he's from Youngstown and new, new trafficking. So he was like, Oh, this, you know, I'm always interested in this material. Um, so as you, you need one day, how long's the day going to be? And I said, uh, 14 hours. 
And I, as I said it out loud, I'm just like, well, of course he's going to say no. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Why does this guy want to spend 14 hours with a bunch of kids? Like, don't know what the hell they're doing. And uh, I'm like, oh, God damn it. Uh, well, at least he called me. That was nice. And he said, no, you know, let's uh, F it. Let's do two days. The work will be better and we'll have more fun. Meet me for lunch tomorrow. And he's just been cool like that to me. Um, so, and we had a great time. I learned a lot making the short. He played a version of Trafficant. Not the crazy hair and the, the suit and everything, but just kind of the essence of a guy like that. And uh, I wrote a feature script and ran that around town and certainly um, frustrating experience. And... I had started working at the History Channel and started really seeing how some of these archival documentary things were being put together and was like, you know what? I have some of this. I'm a filmmaker. Let's just start taking more control of this. I want to tell this story. It's one of those uh, life is stranger than fiction. Let me do a documentary. And um, foolishly, I didn't think it was going to take that long but it was quite a heavy lift. Um, and, and then I asked Ed, you want to be in the movie? And he was absolutely. And he's, his interview is terrific. He's a great storyteller. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's just a great story in its own right to get someone of that stature that, that cares enough about telling this type of story. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, he was just so cool about it, you know, just like, yeah, let's do it. Totally fine. Like, man, that's that's cool. That's refreshing. Thank you. You know? I thank him every time I see him. Just like, hey, that's awesome. Thank you. Very cool, man. Very cool. So you um when you started this undertaking, what, what how long did you think it was gonna take? Well, I, I mean it, it it kept moving, you know. Oh, the six months, and then you get into it and you're like, Wow, no, that was way off. Okay, next year. And then, you know, you have to also work. So you go and take a freelance job and they own you and they spit you out six months later and then you have to pick back up where you left off, you know, that kind of thing. So it just keeps stretching out. And like raising the money, you know, it's like little by little. It's not like it would be such a luxury and you could make probably better decisions along the way. It's not like I had a chunk of change up front. You know, I had some to start that I had, like, squirreled away, but it's not like I had all of it at once. So you're continually begging people for money, which is a terrible thing to do, you know? Definitely. But you created this amazing feature-length documentary, and it's... Thank you. It's just something that was so compelling. So when you, I met you at the uh, Austin Screenwriters Conference. and um, Which was a great time. It's a lot of fun down there. Yeah, so anybody that's looking to get into film, uh, you know, they focus more on writing. But, of course, you were show, showcasing your film down there, Trafficant. And uh, so you were at uh, one of the mentors tables, uh, this revolving tables of mentors for, for those who have never been to any a conference like this. So it's like I think you spent 15, 20 minutes with us, and then then the next mentor comes in, and and we start talking documentaries. And and I honestly didn't expect 
to talk with anyone about documentaries. I'm looking purely at screenwriting. And so that was a treat for me being someone who is kind of just most of what I've done has been vignettes. I haven't created a feature yet and I don't know if, uh, if I have that in me at so much work. I just, uh, I've got one that I'm working on and I'll, I'll get back to it. But talking to you about it was an inspiration. And then of course, um, later you sent me a link to the film and it was just so captivating. And, and of course, like a goofball, I start watching it, I don't know, at midnight or something. And so I'm already a little <laughs> tired. And then it's like, I start dozing. It's like, no, I've got, it was so compelling that I just had to keep watching it. And, uh, it was just, it was so amazing what you've done. So kudos to, to you on that, my friend, because, uh, you know, a lot of people may not have finished that film, but, uh, but you've done so and you, you have that. And I'm, I'm hoping that more people will, will embrace the format of documentary and, and take a look and take a look at your film. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, well, I, I certainly think docs are on the rise, and uh, there's a growing appetite for documentary and more outlets, you know, and certainly being able to get the movie on uh, VOD, the delivery system of people is, is really great for independent filmmakers. Um, and, and I'm hoping with the election, although quite bitter, uh, you know, the, the movie – is certainly timely in that way and a kind of prescient. So ho- hopefully audiences can kind of check it out, I guess. Definitely. Now, I mean, one thing, uh, I mean, just diff- different screenings. So you've done the festival route. How did that, how did that work out for you? Did the audience seem to be, what was your reflection of, of the audience while you were in the room and they were watching the film? Um, a lot. Of it, we we premiered in Cleveland, which is basically hometown, which was amazing. That was a awesome experience. Um, you know, where my mom and her girlfriends and all of my high school buddies and people that worked on the movie back there with us um, were able to come and see it for the first time with with me seeing it with everyone for the first time. So that was something I always remember. Um, screenings have been very positive, very enthusiastic. Um, I fell asleep in one screening at my own movie and someone (laughs) tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, something like, uh, the director worked very hard on this, you know, like telling me to wake up and I'm like, ah, that was me. I'm I'm tired. I'm tired. Uh, um, you know, it's it's just cool experience to see people react. But I think the humor comes through when there's a nice size audience where where people are getting into understanding they're allowed to laugh at the movie. You know, because Trafkin's quite quite funny and outlandish character. Well, definitely one of the things he would always say when he was he was pushing something on the floor of Congress. You know, he would either I think he ended everything would, would beam me up. Where did that come about? What's the story behind that? It's his ode to Star Trek. There's no intelligent life down here. Beam me up. And he would, he, he kind of originated the one out, the one minute speech. He found a little clause, uh, in the, in the rules that said every member was allowed to speak for one minute 
every house session. So he would get up and have these little one minute speeches that he would have written out. You know, he had worked on them and they were lampooning government or whatever he was seeing in society or, you know, honoring a labor union or a football coach or that kind of stuff. But uh, the ones where he would go after people and say, beam me up and then say why it was so crazy. Uh, And he, he had a, Huge following on C-SPAN. I know that sounds crazy. Huge following on C-SPAN. But I I could only imagine if he came along now with the, with Twitter and, and social media and, you know, a guy that was really great at grabbing attention and headlines. He was a master at branding before branding. Definitely. And I think that's where, I think that's where Trump went with the comparison there. He's, He's a master at branding, you know. Unfortunately, I don't see the substance being there, but uh, you know, we'll see how how this plays out. But uh, whereas Trafficant seemed, you know, what I've learned through your film seemed to be seemed to be a little more intelligent. To seem to be uh, someone who I think he was he was really wanting to do good, but he was unfortunately just kind of had was caught up with with the mob ties and everything that he grew up with in the area in, in Youngstown. Would you say that that's correct? Yeah. I think that's the complexity and the duality of the guy. And that's what makes it so appealing to me. Uh, and I think people that aren't necessarily familiar with the story, I think that's what they'll find most compelling is the shades of gray in this guy. Uh, Cause I really think his heart was in the right place, but man, did he surround himself with, as we're seeing reflected now with like cabinet positions and whatnot, he trafficant valued loyalty over everything. And it was not mutual loyalty. I think it was loyalty to him um, in the people that he surrounded himself with. Um, and, you know, Youngstown had an original sin. And it it was corruption. I think since the beginning of the city, that they've had problems with corruption, and uh, the mafia certainly had a stranglehold on Youngstown for generations. Uh, so that that was the world trafficking was operating in, and you have to operate a certain way in that world, uh, like Ed O'Neill says in the movie. You know, Youngstown kind of was like the prison yard. And there are certain rules in prison that do not apply out on the street. And when Trafficant got got into D.C. and started dealing with a different set of rules, he got caught up. And you find, because you, you speak a lot about the, uh, about the mob, about the mafia in, in your film, is there any, any backlash towards that you know expo- I mean some of that a lot of that's in the news but you're kind of packaging it up in one place and, and putting it out there was there any stories concerning that uh, I mean I got a lot of blowback from people from you know that are still there that are like the uh, pro Youngstown movement or that kind of thing uh, but it's part of our history it's who we are you know and you 
aren't always defined by your past. You know, Youngstown's a new place now. But I did get some blowback from that, and and from some of the the guys that were connected into that world. You know, a couple of them got me messages that let me know that they were aware of what was happening. You could say. <laughs> So not only are you, you know, you're you're trying to scrape this money together, you're you're working day and night on this film, and then you've got some people like, hey, we know what you're doing. <laughs> we, we we see you, Eric Murphy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Oh man, what a, what an experience! What a journey! What was uh, what was the best part of this journey? finishing it you know getting it done and getting it released feels uh almost satisfying you know you all i want more but uh just to be able to complete it at a level that i'm i'm um, proud of you know uh and kind of looking back and seeing how many people helped, you know, donated money, worked on it, whatever, watched cuts over and over, giving me notes or all, all the different people that have helped out. So that that's always um, one of the best parts. Yeah, it's nice to have that. Nice to have that support. One thing, and one thing that you've done in in this recent election is kind of because trafficant he wasn't on my radar until I met you. I didn't know anything about him. So one thing that you were trying to do in this recent political climate is that comparison, and you've you've written some things up. And um, you know, how has that been? How, how has it been? Did you expect to have this kind of comparison with a new candidate in twenty sixteen? to trafficant who is this you know this legendary populace no no i mean nobody saw donald trump coming you know i mean no no way um i knew that what trafficant was talking about was ahead of its time but you know i didn't have any specific idea of a candidate embodying or using some of that but uh you know obviously when trump started gaining some momentum you're like wow he's he's mimicking stealing a lot of trafficants authentic populist rhetoric and uh you know then i was like well that this could work out you know this could help bring the movie to more viewers uh and kind of an interesting story of a, a guy that resonates on that level with the blue collar steel worker shoot from the hip, you know, anti hero kind of thing. And it seems like that's one of the biggest thing that I've, I've heard people are, that white people admire Trump is because he speaks his mind and definitely Jim Trafficking spoke his mind. Yeah, I I would say trafficking have a lot more of a coherency. I don't know even know if that's a word, but yeah, that makes sense. Uh, uh, you know, as he was speaking his mind, you know, he, he I, it, 
it, you know, but, uh, I, I knew it was gonna, the movie was gonna resonate with audiences. We had a screening in Los Angeles last August, August of 15. And everyone after the screening was like, oh, this sounds, he's using a lot of the same stuff Tr- Trump is talking about. And I said, well, it's in reverse order, but yeah. And, uh, that's when I started to go, okay, well, this this could tie into there. You know, there's clear distinctions, and it's kind of a slippery slope, too, because uh, trafficking just uh, the, the the racism and bigotry and that kind of stuff is just, like, a, totally out of bounds, you know, and, and different in, in how it's coming from Trump, certainly. Gotcha, gotcha. And how do you feel that the what's the role of of media in this day and age? How do you feel they're handling just everything with politics, covering the issues that people really care about? Um, is it is it too corporate? Is um, what are your thoughts in that regard? And how the the role that the internet plays in it? Well, that's all fragmented, you know. So I don't. It's not like a monolithic question. I don't know what the the media is. You have Fox News. You have MSNBC to call them both the media. I mean, are they both doing propaganda? You know, uh, is there real journalism left? Did we ask the right questions? I think that comes up all the time. Yeah, and I know you had you, and if, if I don't know if you're willing to talk about this because you had some issues where you were putting out great material that you, you, know, you being an expert on Jim Trafficant, and then it was kind of. I don't know. People didn't didn't see you as that expert, and just kind of took took your words and it's it's copied and pasted. Are you seeing a lot of that in in you know modern day journalism where it's not really that reporting and that research as you have done? It's just like oh here's here's some words and let's put it out there and all right there's our story and that that they don't get deeper into the story. You know I don't I haven't really looked at that stuff in that kind of critical way. Um, I think all of it's bullshit. So I don't. I'm pretty cynical about all of it. And I think you know? a lo- I think a lot of people are in this day and age. So I, I any of those types of questions, I really don't have an opinion on. I mean, I think it's all horseshit. Um, Huffington Post is no better than the Drudge Report. You know, it it's bullshit. Gotcha, gotcha, and I, th- I think that's why, I think that's why the the documentary format is one that a lot of times you're seeing archival. I mean, one one thing is an archival film that definitely reflects current times. So what you've done, I think, is a, a service to really look at. Wow, yeah, this this guy was ahead of his time, and and we're seeing that direction. You know how long it takes for, I guess, the mainstream populace to to really see what's going on. It takes that 20 years um, versus, but we're now we're seeing things with the technology being such that it's more, um, I guess more accessible. Yeah. I have friends that are putting out documentaries in relation to Ferguson. So that happened a couple years ago. So I think we're getting the deeper story in, uh, you know, in, in less time than was in the past because of this modern day technology. 
how how is that how did that work for you with uh you know with technology that it is to put your film together for a reasonable reasonable price well i'm i mean it, all of it right i mean digital cameras and edit on a laptop and being able to send files back and forth and work graphic designers in new york the producers in youngstown i'm out here you know dropbox and all of that stuff um I shot all my student films on 16 millimeter. So, you know, have, having a digital camera, it's just amazing. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think there's, there's room for a lot of, a lot of stories to be told. Sometimes there's a lot of clutter, but I think something like uh, a film such as this, that's so well done, so entertaining to watch. I think uh, definitely that's going to rise above and, and people are really going to appreciate what you, what you've done. So I can't uh, I can't I hope so. Thank can't you. say enough. Thanks. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we'll, we'll push that out. You know, I'll do my best to help you push that out and get some more views. Um, any anything else you want to say about the film or the the process of making it? No. Uh, I mean, I you know I could talk your face off, but uh, my voice is kind of breaking down. Um, I mean, it was a really long process, obviously, and I didn't know what I was getting into, but it was quite rewarding. I never got bored of it. Um, you know, have you seen 128 Hours? I have not. Uh, where James Frank out falls down into the little ledge and the boulder falls on his arm. Oh yeah, I've, I've read the book, but I didn't see yeah. the movie. And then you have to—he has to cut his arm off to live. Yeah. So that's how I felt making the movie. <laughs> Very cool. So you had, <laughs> it was bittersweet, right? You had to leave it at that. All right, my friend. Well, I think that's on that note, that's a, uh, that's a good way to end. Let's, um, so trafficant, they can, uh, they can reach it on the website, which they'll find this link. Um, thank you for, for making such a cool film and really spotlighting what's going on in the world. It's a, it's really always fun to talk to someone that saw doesn't know me, saw the movie, was moved by it in some way. So I, I thank you for checking it out and for having me on your uh, podcast. And always great fun to talk to you. Likewise, brother. You take care now, and uh, we'll see what we'll see what the future holds. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. All right, Eric. Take care, buddy. Take care. Everybody's gonna want to see how it plays out. Beam me up.